0: Here and Now, the program featuring the news and interests of the African-American community. Here's your host, Sandra Bookman.
1: Coming up, a fresh start. Formerly incarcerated men running a successful healthy food company in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Plus the incomparable Melba Moore, dazzling audiences with her latest show from Broadway with love. That's all ahead on this half-hour edition of Here and Now. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Our next guests are excellent examples of that. They are formerly incarcerated young men who now run a successful health food company in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Macrobytes is the first national black-owned, ready-to-eat service company. Here to tell us more is Macrobytes CEO, Jared Atkins, and President David Lewis. What a pleasure it is to meet you guys.
0: Oh, what a pleasure it is to meet you.
1: And I'm so excited because you're so excited (laughs) to be here. It's really, really, really nice. Um, You guys have a great backstory. And before we go any farther, I want to mention that this is actually a three. There are three of you. And Mr. Fritz George, who's not on that. I just want to give him a shout out because I don't want you guys fighting when you leave because you didn't (laughs) mention his name. So tell me now both of you guys were incarcerated at one time Mm -hmm. were you incarcerated in the same location is that how you came to meet or did you know each other before so
0: we we uh were in high school together so we knew each other and we ran the streets together but we did uh spend some of our incarceration together as Mm -hmm. well this is my co-defendant we lived in the same apartment uh that got raided and uh when we ended up going to prison, you know, we went together.
1: And it sounds like to me that you used that time in prison to really think about what you wanted to do with your life. Definitely. Mm -hmm. How did you come to, you know, the food industry, macrobites, where did all that come from? I'm gonna, Jared, I'll give you a chance. (laughs) So yeah, definitely. Uh, Food is something that, and
2: health is something that we always uh, enjoyed. Uh, Even in high school, we played sports. getting into the trouble that we got into and uh, doing uh, our time being incarcerated, um, one of the things that we started to do to help pass our time was work out, lift weights, and what came with that was the nutritional side of it, eating healthy, and uh, me and Dave, when we were actually incarcerated, we both took a culinary class Mm -hmm. that allowed us to get more experience in the kitchen and a more balanced understanding of how to cook nutritious food and good food, And, uh, and that Mixed with working out upon our reintegration into society is what led us eventually to MacroBites.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, so when after we were released I was working as a personal trainer So we gained some skills while we were in prison sure. We learned about nutrition and fitness and I was training people and then cooking for them also and then you know We realized hey, this is uh, a business people are doing this So yeah. we decided to legitimize it and make it an
1: actual business. Okay, and and make it a business you have it's a a little mini empire right now because in addition to the the meals that you can order you run a restaurant too right right you guys are not playing around (laughs) I have to ask you you hear from folks that have served served time in prison they come out there you know they want to get their lives back on track and what they hear is you know they have have a hard time sometimes because sometimes it's hard to get people to to look past the mistakes that you've made and give you that chance to go forward with your future did you guys run into any roadblocks like that when you started to try to set up this business
2: definitely uh even prior to setting up the business uh getting a job you know getting out of getting out of the situation that we're in and just finding work uh to even get work at that time um coming out of post-incarceration uh, I couldn't, I had to get in touch with a friend that I had had from high school, a different friend that I had from high school to even be able to get a job, to mm-hmm. even have a foot in the door. So just even being able to get a job and then starting a business, it was it was almost impossible. Uh, no funding was, we weren't eligible for pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just navigating, talking to banks and and trying to be in spaces and rooms of resource and investment. It was difficult. People didn't want to, you know, we honestly didn't have the authority, but a lot of people didn't even want to give us the chance, even Mm -hmm. though we were trying to uh, procure something that was so genuine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And go ahead.
0: And definitely uh, because of our past and what we look like and where we come from, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people just put a stereotype on us from gate and they won't like you'll walk into a room and uh, the people's faces will change because they know. Oh, these are some black guys that were locked up before, and the whole
1: yeah. So they immediately them, yeah. you were yeah. your past. Right. You were now you were. Were you in jail? Drug charges.
2: Yes. Both of you, yeah. right?
1: Yes. Um, and how long? How long did you serve?
2: So, I did about two years Mm -hmm. um, inside the jail, and then I did about two and a half years on parole.
1: Yeah. And and you? Three and a half years. Okay. You've done your time. You're both very young men, and you acknowledge you've made mistakes that had to be frustrating, that people weren't listening or seeing who you had become now. Um, But you persevered, and you made it happen. And I'm assuming you were able to make it happen through a variety of resources and helps, and you finally cobbled together what you needed. to to make that work.
0: And I like to say, because of our past and our history, uh, that is what made us who we are now. Mm -hmm. Because we've been through some of the hardest stuff that you could go through. Like When you're in prison, you're an animal. They give you a number, you're in a cage where you could touch the walls with your hand and your head is right next to your toilet. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you're treated like an animal and you're in those conditions, Uh, it does something to you mentally. So now upon our release, when we're out here, and we're in business and we're going through different scenarios and different problems, it doesn't really feel like it did when we were in prison. Like Mm -hmm. those are real problems. That's life and death stuff. So now when we go through things, I feel like it it gives us a a leg up because we've gone through some serious, hardships.
2: You made
1: those mistakes that you won't make those mistakes again. It's easier
2: for us to stay consistent. That's really what a lot of our story is about. It's about resilience and it's about consistency. Even though they treated us like animals, you know, we knew in our minds that that's not who we were as people. Mm -hmm. And even getting out and having to Uh, maneuver through society and the workforce and now business uh, we know that giving up isn't really an option for us because if we do give up you know the alternative is much worse for us because we've been through a lot you know really bad situations
1: you know what that means
2: exactly so
1: let's talk about the business Um, and what it is essentially is I can, like some other meal companies, you can, I can order me, order my meals, decide what I want and have them delivered, right? I'll let you walk me through what it is that you do.
0: Yeah, sure, so we're, uh, our ready to eat meals are, uh, have a balanced macronutrient ratio. You could go on our website and you can order your meals for a week. You can get them once a week. You can get them once every two weeks or once a month, uh, and you can choose whatever type of meals that you want. And we make sure, because they have a balanced macronutrient ratio, and we have vegan options and keto and gluten-free, we have stuff for everybody. So mm-hmm. no matter what your nutrition goals are, your fitness goals are, we can help you reach those.
1: Yeah, and then I talked about the the restaurant. Now, did you did the restaurant come after the, the meal?
2: Yeah, it came, okay. it came after, so that was just, uh, that was just another addition to what we were doing. You know, when we started the company, we had uh, obviously the intention on making money. You gotta pay the bills, yeah. right? But we had a bigger focus than that. And that was being, you know, a representation for kids in the neighborhood who needs someone to look up to, to say, hey, they're doing the right things and I wanna be like them. I wanna do the things that they're doing. So we got a really, really good opportunity to start a brick and mortar, or set up a brick and mortar in Asbury Park. And uh, we took that opportunity and, you know, Yes, again, the for-profit operation is in the forefront, but we have used the operation yeah. as a cornerstone for community engagement. So, we run various different programs. We've uh partnered with the local police department to, you know, just try to help other youth in the at our, not even just youth, our our peers as well yeah, in the, the community. community. Exactly, mm-hmm. that needs to needs help with guidance, needs advice, needs mentorship, uh wants to start a business and looking for legitimate ways to do that. We're, we're you know, the one-stop shop for all those things.
1: Yeah, and just to let you toot your horn a little bit, I understand you guys have given away about 60,000 <laughs> free meals to the community. Yeah,
0: so we uh, set up a table in front of our restaurant every day and we give out food for free. The same, and the the kicker is is healthy foods, Mm because a lot of free food that people can get, it's not healthy, so we believe that we're doing our community a service by giving out something that's free for them and it's healthy too. And we've solidified ourselves in the community, as people know, like we go to Macrobites. if they're down on their luck, they could come and get a free meal, which is very important to us, because we spent a lot of time terrorizing the community and running the streets, and now we're giving back to the community and giving back to the streets.
1: And how has the, community responded to your presence the the free meals but also the fact that these young men are trying to help other young people not trying you are uh, proving to be an example for other young people to show them the other options for their lives how has how have people responded to you
2: the majority of the response has been amazing it's you know we've we've uh, We've been accepted. I, it's weird to say accepted, but we've accepted, been accepted in our position now in the community because our position mm-hmm. is now changed. You know, now we yeah. see ourselves more as leaders, uh, whereas before, you know, we were breaking laws on a daily basis. Now we're working to. Uh, prevent other kids from living that way. I'm breaking laws on a daily basis. So we've been accepted in our roles now in the in the community. And the response has been really good for the most part. Uh, you will always get the naysayers and you'll always get the people who don't want to see you do good per se. I don't want the community to do good per se, but that's okay. I think with the support that we have and with our uh, our, our uh, perseverance that we'll be able to, to get to the finish line with or without I I, I suspect
1: so, too. You call it cuisine for the culture.
0: Yeah, cuisine for the culture. And the culture and the community really has rallied behind us. Like when, uh, you know, we couldn't get funded from a bank or we couldn't, uh, aren't eligible for some grants because of our our background. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were able to crowdfund and open up the business financially for the community. Mm -hmm. So when we succeed, the community succeeds, Succeeds. too. So it's not just people rooting us on from the sidelines. They have vested interests in us growing and it's been really beautiful to see that people have come from uh, all walks of life to support us in what we're trying to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And you are definitely giving back to the community right. really in spades. So talk to me about what your price point for your meal boxes. and.
0: Yeah, so you can get a uh, box of six meals for mm-hmm under 70 bucks, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's a a ton of discounts and uh, incentives for if you order on a subscription and you get more, the more meals that you get, the cheaper the meals get. So So we reward our customers,
2: a lot of times companies focus on uh, getting new customers, getting new customers, and they never really worry too much about retention. We make Mm -hmm. sure to put, uh, make it a focal point to worry about retention, the people who have been loyal to us, we make sure that we have various uh, rewards programs where, you know, just in the restaurant, if you spend $50, you get, mm-hmm. you know, 50 points. And for every 50 points, you get $10 off. So you have it baked in 20% yeah. off every time you come in and spend money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the same thing kind of Dave was saying. We have uh, programs for um, our affiliates where if you're if you're referring people to buy boxes, then you get a percentage based off of those sales. Yeah. So there's a lot of mechanisms built into our model for uh, for retention or for our loyal customers.
1: You guys sound like businessmen.
2: <laughs> it's almost like we are, right?
1: Like- <laughs> Yes, you are. And what are the, some of the things that are most popular among your customers? Some Definitely the-,
0: the New Orleans Strip. The, oh, the course. steak <laughs> is one of the most popular meals. People really love the steak. Uh, we It's New York Strip steak, but you know, Jared, he does a lot of our recipes. He's the executive yeah. chef and CEO. And we put a, a New Orleans kick. some Some of the recipes and flavors that we got from uh Fritz's mom, because she's Haitian uh-huh. and immigrant. So yeah, that you know, creole. We, yeah, theme. we incorporated a lot of that and people really, really love that. It's our number one seller right All now. Right. But I the chicken fiesta is is close. It's coming, coming up. up. That's a newer
2: <laughs> the chicken fiesta is a okay. newer
0: meal, but it's definitely that's definitely close.
1: And I can tell talking to you guys that you're proud of what you accomplished. You sincerely feel this commitment to giving back to the community and you love what you're doing. Right. That's really, I mean, that's a big message. Most of us are going to work for the rest of our lives. Right so you should be doing something that you love.
2: Right, the right. what we're doing is definitely important. To us, it's the why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. The why to us keeps, you know, it allows us to wake up every single day at four thirty, five o'clock every morning, take care of our kids, get them out to school, and get to the company so we could make sure we're doing the most we can for the community.
1: Okay, uh, it's such a pleasure to, to meet you, and I, I feel like we're gonna have to have you back because I know that you have something that you're working on down the road oh, that yeah. maybe you're not ready to reveal, but you're gonna add to this empire. Well, we have a lot of things
0: (laughs) coming up in the pipeline, but we have a lot of stuff now that we're super proud of. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have our meals in hospitals, in schools. Uh, We're gonna be in ShopRite brand stores soon. Uh, So we're doing a pop-up there this Saturday Mm -hmm. uh, in the Ben Salem ShopRite. So we're really expanding our foothold, dipping our toe into retail. Uh, but while still giving back to our community every day. Which is,
1: is terrific. It is your role models for a whole lot of people. Macrobytes retail,
0: maybe that may be the next big thing. <laughs>
1: okay. Macrobytes.com is the website and Macrobites the restaurant. Is it in Asbury? Yep.
0: Twelve oh one Springwood Ave in Asbury oh. Park, New Jersey.
1: All yeah, right. Thank you both for being with us. The next time, I guess we're gonna have to let Fritz come on. Yeah, (laughs) man, we
0: need more cameras so we can have all of us here. All right.
1: (laughs) Thank you both very much. Best of luck to you, and please keep us posted uh, as you you expand your empire. That was a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be right back. As we mark Women's History Month, we are shining a spotlight on Tony Award-winning singer Melba Moore. She'll be hitting high notes when she takes center stage at New York City's 54 Below next month. Now, Ms. Moore will be taking audiences on a musical journey through her remarkable career and life in From Broadway with Love. It is our pleasure to welcome back to here and now Hollywood Walk of Famer, Melba Moore. It is so great to see you again. Thank you so much. We get so excited when you visit. I do too, thank you. And I wanted to start with the Hollywood Walk of Fame, because I know that you got that star last
3: year. What did that mean to you? Everything. (laughs) Um, It's just so iconic, the star itself. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been thinking about it, so it was a surprise. So I was just... (laughs) done!
1: But you honestly I think a lot of people would ask, she didn't have one before that?
3: Yeah. Everybody thought I already had it Mm -hmm. and they probably would think because I really am a star. (laughs) That that ain't nothing to me but it's a very 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 big deal. Well first of all because my partner and, and manager Ron Richardson went through the whole process while I was going about my career, my life, and everything. So I really didn't know how it how it worked. Mm-hmm. And then t- toward the end, <clears throat> we found out that you had to pay a lot of money for it. Yeah. And I said, well. Even if I have that money, I can't spend it like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, <I'm> <laughs> practical. So we put out a GoFundMe campaign and who should answer it but Mr. Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. And comes up and paints plays the whole thing. And we thought it was a joke. My, my manager almost hung up on him because he thought somebody was making a joke. He says, no, then we discovered he's like that. Yeah. And so the star means to discover what America is in that way. And people come out of the woodwork that just are amazing. I mean, why would he do that? Because he's like that. Well, he's, but he said
1: he couldn't imagine somebody talking about giving him a star before you got a star. That's what he thinks about you and your career and what it's meant to him. But so that's,
3: that's how, what, what kind of a person he is. Yeah. So you discovered these kinds of people, and, mm-hmm. and my manager, my, my partner Ron Richardson, who worked on this thing for two years without my even knowing it, um, just some amazing people you discover.
1: Yeah. Did you ever? Is that something that you thought about having? No. I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm shocked. <laughs> I was, oh my
3: God! I got to write a speech. <laughs> <laughs> but you found something to say. Well, don't don't, don't let me forget uh, people like Linnell, mm-hmm. who very often just calls me and just gives me encouragement. I mean, she's out working, being you know a star herself. And but there are some wonderful people that you discover when you get these honors, and you're not really looking for them. But you know, in this in this industry. They come along with the territory, yeah. I and mean, it's, it's not like it's strange or anything, but it's a shock. It's wonderful. Yeah, and it's nice when it happens to you and for <laughs> you, right? Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: So let's talk about this upcoming show at, at uh, 54 Below. Yes. Um, you have titled it again, let me see, what was the title again? From Broadway with Love. So talk to us about what that means for you and what you intend to give your audiences on that
3: night. Well, I'm going to totally Tonight. focus... At 54 Below, March 15th and 16th, 7 (laughs) p.m., at 54 Below, on the the theatrical and Broadway lane of my career, which is really what put me on the map. Mm -hmm. Music is in my family, it's in my DNA, and like most black people who aspire to be an entertainer, it started in the recording and music industry. But I fell into theater. Uh, My first Broadway show was Hair which is, of course is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I, I started out in the uh, chorus, but because I kept losing the female lead, um, I eventually got a chance to audition for and got the female lead. Mm-hmm. But I inadvertently wound up replacing Diane Keaton. Yeah. So I'll show you my luck. Or my my uh, luck or talent, so well. Okay. But then from there, because I didn't really audition to get into that show, one of the, the, the girls in the show reminded me that I didn't know how to audition. So she told me where to audition mm-hmm. for Pearlie, which of course I went up and got the, got the part. Yeah. But that was because I was raised by uh, uh, a, a, an orphan, illiterate domestic. Mm-hmm. um She didn't even she wasn't you not know, even a Belonged to a sharecropper's family. She had no family. She mm-hmm. was moving around. So that's really kind of my personality. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, that's what I got the Tony Award for. <laughs> <laughs> no, you that's got the Tony Bell Award because you, yeah, because you, you blew it out of the park. Yeah, I, I did. But I, I, <laughs> I blew it out because I was raised by that kind of a yeah, person. you understood that character. I didn't study acting, but that's. I mean, it's. it's I think it's even stronger if you are that role, -hmm. rather than you're portraying it. Mm -hmm. So I was Ludie Bell. (laughs) Gussie Mae Jenkins. I got a Tony Award for that. Mm -hmm. That really put me on the map to be in television and everything else. Uh, After that, I was doing a one-person show in Hollywood, Florida. Nobody even heard of this little town. Mm -hmm. I was trying to learn how to write and create some things for myself, but a gentleman by the name of Richard J. Alexander, he was a casting director for Les Mis. Mm -hmm. He said, I saw your little piece. I didn't know you could sing classical music. He said, I want you to be Fontaine. Mm-hmm. Well, that meant I was the first black female mm-hmm. to play the role of Fontaine in Les Miserables. Yeah. After that, I was able to go on the road with the show uh, Chicago. So I played uh, Mama Morton, mm-hmm. you know, the, the jail person. <laughs> yes. I don't know how I got that role, but <laughs> hey, it's acting. But why, yes, well, by that time, I guess I learned to act. <laughs> and I think I did a touring company of Ain't Misbehaven, mm-hmm. another show called Brooklyn. So now I've done several different th- theatrical pieces. I'm really a theater person. So yeah. my tribute is going to be to the theater part of my life.
1: And so, well, look, we know, because, look, you can't escape that voice of yours. But how is it? What is the difference for you in performing an intimate show like you're going to be doing at 54 Below and doing, you know, theater music, musical, uh, things from musicals, um, rather than performing, you know, belting out in a concert? There's a, there's a difference in the kinds of shows. With the
3: basic difference with a concert, you don't do so much talking. Mm-hmm. But since I've been in theater, I've learned how to tell or sing the whole story, or sing the story with your whole body. Mm-hmm. You're kind of aware that people are watching you, whatever angle they're in, so you have to still be telling the story. But yeah. I learned that from theater. Mm-hmm. But the basic thing from, um, the difference between theater and concert is you need to really tell the story with your voice. Yeah. You really, because you can put on anything, but they if they don't hear that voice, they'll walk out on you. Yeah. But in theater, you you have to tell the story with your voice. Well, I've only done musicals. Yeah. So I've learned how to tell the story uh, w- within the choreographer, within the direction, w- within the voice, with the whole instrument.
1: And what do you want folks to walk away feeling after they see this show at fifty four below?
3: Happy and joyful that we had a celebration. Yeah. And I mean, to me it's just the same. I, I-, I want to excite you. I want to I want to- it to be interactive. I like it when they holler because it just got. <laughs> outside of themselves, and they just got into it, and they just were having a wonderful time. But the genre is just gonna be theater. Mm-hmm. and you can hey, you want them to kind of feel like right. I'm going to dress nice.
1: Yeah, they're going to church without passing the collection. Well, price. yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so Pearlie is back on Broadway now, yes. as you know. Yes. How does that make you feel to see that show and hear the show and see these, you know, these wonderful young performers, uh,
3: you know, walking where you've walked? Well, it was amazing because when I did Pearlie, like I said, I kind of fell into it, and uh, um, at that time, uh, the message to me was what was 1970s, well, okay, well, so but, so I'm like a, a 60s baby. Mm-hmm. So uh, after doing hair and everything, I thought the message was kind of Uncle Tom and oh. Yeah. But I'd never read a script really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I and, and I didn't realize because this uh, play was a black play, but it was really essentially designed for white audiences. Mm-hmm. Our, black people didn't really go to the theater that much. There wasn't anything. That much for us to see. But seeing it this time was a very different because it was not a musical, mm-hmm. first of all. I said, oh my goodness. The message to me was just so awesome and so, of course I'm so much older now so I mm-hmm. can understand it. Yeah. I've, I've done theater so it's clear to me, but to hear it without the music is just, well I knew Ossie Davis was a genius. Yes. But it just even stands stronger to me. Yeah, which is, it, it, you know, it, when you say that, I think that
1: tells audiences you need to go and see oh, absolutely, that show. Absolutely. And it is not Well, the acting outdated. is
3: fabulous, but yeah. the message is still so important. And in some ways, that's kind of a sad thing. But it's very, and I think if it weren't, if we had solved all the problems, you would still want to see this message and mm-hmm. this good acting.
1: All right. So, Melba Moore, this wonderful show from Broadway with love. At studio 54 below. Well, 54 below. So, yeah, yeah, oh God, studio fifty four. You showing your fifty-four age, below. Oh yes, I am. I can't. <laughs> but do, do, do I don't have me. How did I know how old you was, right? <laughs> All right. So thank you for correcting me. 54 below, March 15th and 16th from Broadway with love. You do not want to miss Melva Moore seeing her live. You will not walk away disappointed. Thank you so much for sitting down with us again this afternoon. Such a pleasure. You're always welcome. I'll be back. Always (laughs) welcome. All right. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Here and Now. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can watch at ABC7NY.com or listen to our podcast wherever you subscribe. If you'd like to comment or share your story, email us at ABC7NY or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X. I'm Sandra Bookman. Enjoy the rest of your day.